And welcome to the Two Medics podcast. Just a quick shout out to our sponsors, mah.uk.com for medical accountancy needs and also to lifelinehealthcaregroup.co.uk for the best locum rates. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medics Podcast. My name is Imran Lasker. I'm a consultant radiologist. And hi, I'm Tushi Gunawardna. I'm a cardiology registrar sub-specialising in intervention. So I've been a bit MIA, is that the word? MIA, missing an action? Yeah, yeah. What happened last week? Last week, I was tired. I was really knackered. And then, yeah, my parents have actually gone to Uzbekistan for holiday and they were really insistent that I go visit them. (laughs) And so I, yeah, why is that so funny? What's wrong with going to Uzbekistan? (laughs) Uzbekistan, I don't know. (laughs) No. <laughs> I remember, I feel Explain like I should explain why I'm laughing, because like, I, when you told me, I couldn't let it go, could I? I was a bit like, no. but, but well, literally like, <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like you should explain so that I feel I seem like less of a tyrant. Okay, so I think Uzbekistan's got a lot of Islamic history, a lot of good mosques and stuff like that. I mean, all, all mosques are good in my opinion, but anyway, a lot of nice mosques. And yeah. and so I think since they've retired, they've got a little crew of like friends in the area, and they oh, all kind of go on holiday quite regularly. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. group of them. Oh, that is really cute. Yeah, yeah, it's really cute. And I kind of thought to myself, I hope I get to that situation where yeah. I retired and just going around yeah. and seeing the world. So that you can, they've got photos of all them and some of my aunts, you know, family friend aunts and aunties. Oh my god. And stuff. Yeah, I can really, just imagine those like, uncles and aunties and be like, oh, let's do a selfie. Can you? Imagine? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it literally is what it's like. Yeah, and they're sending videos yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it's nice. But I have to go visit them. That evening and i'd been working a really long day that day and i think you messaged me saying oh no and you also want to watch a game an arsenal game oh, yeah, yeah. That day as well and i'm like you and your football man and they're just <laughs> gonna get too late for me and i was like listen yeah i'm gonna have to pull out of this one and catch up with you next time and then you had bethan i had no idea you had bethan yeah oh, and i thought you did a solo so i went into sunday night thinking okay cool i just quickly edit this as one person how hard could it be and suddenly oh, another no. voice came i was like sorry what Oh my God! <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I did not know Bethan was on this episode. So I had to be, do a little bit more work to do that fun letter, but it, it was fun. It's not. It was still fun, and I really enjoyed listening. I'm sure. I hope everyone else enjoys enjoyed that too. But anyway, yeah. How you been, mate? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. It's been a. It's you know we say literally it's a big week every week. It's to a point where it's a cliche, and I kind of po- point out that it's oh, now it's a cliche that I point out the cliche. That's how meta it is. But <laughs> it's been it a big start, week yeah. this week, right? Mm. So I really wanted to talk about what's been going on. So I'm really excited mm. about this kind of the major Marvel and Star Wars announcement. Did oh, you yeah, yeah. That? No, I didn't actually. Massive, you were telling me something really big happened this week. You're like, dude, this is going to be all over the place. Yeah, you don't need to be able to use anymore. Yeah, so I was like, okay, place. wait, you tell me about this later. Yeah, yeah so I'm really excited. So the Marvels, so you know, I was really into Miss Marvel, the TV show. Mm. And I actually really liked the Captain Marvel movie. And mm. there's going to be a movie called The Marvels, where they're kind of together, and which I think is going to be really awesome. I I, re- I think because you know two of two of my kind of favorite characters, but not only that, the roster from I mean, I think one thing that might get you particularly excited is they're talking about a new X Men movie. A new X-Men oh, movie. Wow, yeah, yeah, that's super cool. I mean, that's very that's cool. Big. That's big. And um, did you watch Daredevil? So Daredevil's coming I back. I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the series. No, as in they're remaking it. As oh. in, I think, so they're going to do, I think they're going to do like a movie and it's okay. going to have Charlie Cox who played Daredevil in the TV show. And yeah, okay, exactly. Vincent awesome. Vincent awesome, good. Yeah, that's good. Oh, mate, it keeps on going. It keeps on going. So, so obviously they're going to tie in more kind of universes and stuff. And so... 
there is, I don't know if you've read, but the kind of, in the future, in the comic books anyway, the person who kind of takes over the Iron Man mantle is this black girl who's like a kid genius called, and it's mm. Ironheart. So there's going to be an Ironheart movie and oh, oh, what else? Oh yeah, you're quite into the Mandalorian, right? There's going to be a Mandalorian it. It. Yeah, season yeah. three. There's just mm. so much good stuff. Yeah, so that was like, that's really just been kind of taking, oh, and the new uh, Wakanda Forever movie, finally. I'd be interested wow. to know what kind of direction they're going in. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I can't think of anything else big. No, neither can I. Yeah. Anyway, big week, huh? I mean, that's uh, that is amazing. That is a. Uh, I'm really excited about that. We've had a standard argument this week, haven't we, on uh, Twitter? I mean, the PA thing's come up again, hasn't it? It just should we start off with that one? Just get out of the way because people love to talk about it. So, yeah. I don't want to say the name. We shouldn't say the name of the person that yeah. tweeted it, but they brought it to everyone's attention because I don't know. You might as well. You're having a boring day. I just heard about a PA working on a reg rotor. Am I mad? for thinking that this has all got a bit far now. We all know that they're valuable members of the team, and by a certain point, we just need to put some boundaries down, want to be a doctor, go to med school. Yeah. yeah go Isn't on. there the whole sentiments, sentiment where they say that everything before the word but, you basically don't believe? So <laughs> he's basically said, we all know that they're valuable members of the team just before the but thing. Okay, but, so therefore, yeah, go on. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. But mm. what, what's your take? I did, okay, first of all, I'm sick of this PA argument. I don't know why everyone keeps worrying about what everyone else is getting paid and what they're up to and all that kind of thing. I also think it's very... I think, look, I think there's a big cohort of doctors in general that are very elitist, and I don't think they even know that they're elitist in terms of what they think they're doing and how important they really are. And because they get upset about, I don't know, some nurse practitioner doing a lipoma, but, I mean, did you want to do that lipoma surgery anyway? Is it really that interesting to you to, to do lipoma surgery? And surely if someone does lipoma surgery over decades or something, they're going, to be, they're going to be better than your edge coming through. Is it really that important that you do that lipoma surgery? And it's yeah. same with this one. They're on the reg rotor, yeah? I don't know about you, mate, but I do not. As soon as I saw that reg, the med reg do that job, I thought there is no way I'm doing that job. That Absolutely. Any subspect that goes down that way is not for me. I'm not doing it, right? What yeah. about you? Well, I mean, you can tell this person isn't a reg because, mate, two weeks ago, if that person didn't have a PA on it, that would be a rotor gap. Like, there are gaps. Like, even this year, you know, we're one reg down on our rotor. So someone needs to, to fill these gaps. And I don't really want to do more, like, on-core shifts. Like, they're not... They don't look forward to them. They're not like the crazy educational experiences. They're rough. They're awful. They're one of the worst bits, in my opinion. But I think the thing is that essentially when I think the thing is that, especially as Medreg, like it's horrendous. I mean, it's, I think they've kind of left it kind of open as to what kind of reg rotor it is or whatever. But I think this, it kind of, this whole PA argument goes down a kind of in a circle whereby mm. anyone who says that they're tired of it or you know says anything in support or whatever of like PAs is like oh you're like virtue signaling or you've kicked the ladder away or whatever mm. but what we're essentially saying is where is this energy for the rotor gaps where's the mm. energy for it you know like kicking off because someone's not filling it like mm. where was that energy we need more numbers we need more people we need more training, post. like we need all that stuff. We're campaigning for that. But no, somebody's like stepping up to fill that bit, which is horrendous. So in our rotor, I think we're just going to have to do more on calls. And what that means for me is that I'll have less kind of of my training sessions. I'll have less like um, opportunities on the ward. I'll have less opportunities in the lab. It's harder to get procedures when you're on call. Like it has lots of knock on effects to training. So it's not all about, it's not literally there are regs queuing up to, to do that or maybe they are maybe that we need to have more numbers but they're not complaining they're not complaining for that they're just complaining mm. 
And, oh, and exactly, the these are things, these are the jobs that you don't want to do, but then all at the same time, you don't want anyone else to do that job. So what's the answer here? Like, you know, I just find it like, and the other thing is, this is the argument I've said before in previous episodes and, and when we've had this conversation is that if someone did follow you around every single day for about a year to see what you do and how you do your job, they're going to get good at it, right? And if I would be very surprised if a good PA, you did an audit of the outcomes of their say, the times that they're on call versus an audit of the outcomes from a normal uh, med reg on call. Like when I say normal, like a person who went to medical school on call, is there going to be that much of a difference? Like really? Because, you know, after a while, as we all know, once you start doing on calls, especially with what I do, from what I understand from being on call, it is it starts to become pretty formulaic because you're doing the initial management. You're doing the initial few things. There's only so many initial few things you need to do. It's more about the decision and knowing what decision to make. And after a while, you've kind of been there before, haven't you? It's all experience. Most of, A lot of medicine is about experience and what you've seen before and how to act on it. You can get experience by just doing the job. You don't have to go through lectures for five, six years to be able to know what to do in these situations. If you've been in that situation and made the same decision as someone else does yeah. so this idea is that if you want to be a doctor go to med school first of all mate these people did not say they want to be a doctor the idea that every single pa wants to be a doctor but didn't make it needs to get out of your head they're pas and a lot of people want to be pas they want to be pas they don't want to be they don't want your job they don't want anything to do with, they don't want to go to med school can you believe that can you get, get if you can get your head past that but not everyone wants to be a doctor. Not everyone wants to be, get your job and not everyone wants to do these same things they want to do. They may just want to do one small bit of your job. That's all they want to do or what you perceive to be your job and part of the job that you didn't want to do anyway. Yeah. I think so ultimately, I think hmm. ultimately, if everyone has kind of paid what they're kind of valued, like if our wages had kind of followed with inflation and I think if our kind of training opportunities were plentiful and whatever, and they didn't feel kind of so beaten down, I guess, kind of professionally, then I guess this wouldn't be an issue. But I guess the problem is that this is, there, will, there is all this kind of misplaced anger. That's what I think it is anyway. I think it's kind of misplaced anger. You say that, but I think there's a worrying thing. Do you see Claire Elisa's tweet? And she said, look, something about it difficult to articulate this, but when you're being told that you're the top 0. 0. 0.1%, Reddit, Reddit went a bit, they got very excited about it because they, they interpreted things very differently. So they interpreted, some people interpreted it as 0.1% of earnings, which is not what we're talking about. She was actually trying to suggest that the 0.1% of the creme de la creme, which is again, I've always said this, like it, you may think you're the best, but the best at what? What is it that you're the best at? Yeah, it's just because you're the 0.1% of maybe getting A-levels doesn't mean that you're the smartest person in the room. I'm sorry to let to tell you that. Just because you may have got a PhD and all the rest of it doesn't mean that you're the smartest person in the room. That's not how life works. And just because you're the 0.01% doesn't mean you get to get do every single job, whatever you want, whenever you want, and get paid whatever salary you want. Life does not work like that. You know, if that was the case, then, you know, your Alan Sugars of the world wouldn't exist. The people who just do jobs and do really well at their jobs wouldn't exist. Just because you're the 0.1%, you may be the 0.1% of a very specific thing, and then you get into med school, it doesn't mean that you own everything. It doesn't mean that you own all of medicine and all of the jobs in the hospital, and you can do whatever you want now and make all the money in the world. It just doesn't work like that. But you saw on the Reddit argument, people just arguing, you know, saying stuff like similar sentiments, you know, they don't get to med school, they don't do this, and they do that. I can make that not everyone wants to do that. Not everyone needs to do those things to do what you do. I still believe that people, you know, radiologists could do what I do if they hung around long enough. You could do what I do if you hung. Thrush, if you came and sat with me every single day for a year, two years, I'm sure you'd be as good as a reg and even better by the, by the end of, like, even less time than that, and vice versa. Yeah, it but we probably... No, but, 
No, but if you think about it, we'd probably just distract each other and our TikTok. <laughs> I, I, TikTok would be fine, mate. That is true. That is true. Yeah. And clothes stay on most of the time. But there was a nice kind of tweet from Russell in kind of response to it all. Did you mm. see that one? So yeah, something about loving a job. Yeah, go on. Yeah, I've also got a lot to say about that. Yeah. Yeah, but fractious <laughs> once again. So I'm channeling this queen mm. and trying to add some positivity. What do you like about your job, the profession? I'll start. For all Wait, hang on, that was a bit weird. Why did I suddenly feel something when you said the word queen? Anyway. <laughs> For all its flaws and challenges, I genuinely love what doing what I do? Question mark. Like, hmm. it just makes me happy? Question mark. I don't know. I don't. Is he asking? I don't yeah. know. Does it? I don't, know. I don't know. But there are quite a few kind of really nice responses. So Mehul says, I've met some extremely cool, extremely cool people, patients and staff, and some absolute knobs. But <laughs> even the knobs <laughs> make a good story, so it's all worth it. And also, mm. I'm doing something meaningful. Which is quite nice. Did you see any nice responses on there that you? Like? No, I saw it, and I'm always a bit like when someone says I love job, yeah, right, whatever, mate. It's not that I don't enjoy my job. It's a bit like I always think to myself, especially these days, like if I had the day off, would I come back and do this? No. So I clearly don't love it that much. If I really love my job, then I'd do this on my day off, wouldn't I? But I don't. But you do have. You probably have mates that you'd probably hang out with outside of work. Maybe are there mate? Would you have work mates that you'd probably keep contact with? Maybe yeah, but as in, you know, you make friends with whichever environment you are, you're in, right? If I was yeah. spending all my days in Michelin-style restaurants, I'd probably become quite good friends with some of the clientele. There, <laughs> wouldn't they? Yeah. That's the way I it is. Test it out. Yeah, yeah I think I would, I'd, I'd happily test that out if they pay me. But anyway, I just think that, I think we all tell ourselves we enjoy a job, but I don't know if that, well, for me, I've said this before, like, I do enjoy my job. But if, let's say, for example, radiology suddenly became something where I've got to travel up and down the country, I've got to do publications, I've got to go to conferences, I've got to do yeah. all this stuff. I might not like my job so much anymore. Sure. I just won't. I don't think so. So I'd operating with operating within the paradigm that you that we to, at the moment as things stand, you need to mm -hmm. do a job to survive yes. and put food on the table. Do you enjoy it within that context compared uh, to past? Yeah. I mean, I, look, I think we both know I don't want to do anything, really. If I could yeah, get paid so. to do nothing, I'd 100% do it, you know, <laughs> genuinely. I really would. I don't know why people say they wouldn't. I think I would. But in the realms of that, then I think what I, for me, I, I said this before, it's facilitated the way that I want to my, live my life at the moment, and therefore it works. And therefore, I would like, I love my job, you know, quotation marks, but I wouldn't love my job if it didn't facilitate the bigger picture. Yeah, fair enough. You see? Yeah, that uh, works. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's so, what. But here's some other responses, though. You know, take it, take them how you will. So Joseph, Joseph Macter, former guest. I love the feeling of bumping into kids I've treated and their parents and seeing them do well, and being no, remembered by no. them for the good stuff. No, no. <laughs> Thanks for doing stop this, it. Russell. Much stop needed it. optimism and positivity. <laughs> Paris Joseph, just stop it. I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna have to have dinner with you again. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say stop it. No. Look at this one. <laughs> this is nice from Karis Barton. So I love my team. They genuinely care about their patients. Exclamation mark. I get to interact with fantastic heart failure nurses, allied health professionals and doctors across the UK and Europe. Check you out, Karis. Mm. We get to make a real difference. That's true to how parents no. feel. And when you have to work doing a job that is that crisis. I think heart failure nurses should get a special mention because can you imagine when you tell someone they have heart failure? What, you know, there's a lot to unpick there. You know, they do a hard job. Yeah, you know, so, I think if you tell my parents I had heart failure, be like, well, my heart's failed. Yeah, exactly. Like it's failed. What do you mean uh, it's failed? In the case, a lot to try and explain it. So it can't be an easy conversation to try and explain the brevity of what that word failure can mean, right? Yeah. In that particular situation, right? Jamie Sherrington gave a similar answer to you, which is I love my job as I can do what I want when I want, mostly. You don't get freedom quite like it in another job. So it's kind of a similar exactly. answer. Exactly, man. I mean, look, I don't know why this is coming to my head, but look, the royals seem to do whatever they want whenever they want. <laughs> 
I could very much do that job. I would enjoy that job, doing whatever I want, whenever I want. Yeah. There's something, anyway, there's I don't something know what that came to my isn't it? Yeah, I don't know what it is. It. Anyway, it just came to my head again for some weird reason. Yeah, I think that. there was another tweet that came in, and I think I found it quite funny because it was a kind of, the, let me just find it. It was David SMD right. MBA. Okay, okay, fine. My doctor husband just handed me his otoscope and asked me to look into his ear, and I reminded him, I'm a radiologist. I could review his temporal CT. That's just, that is that is it. That's the one. That's exactly what people are like. I mean, yeah, yeah. Don't you think we all kind of get down our little niches and then we become pretty useful? Actually, I suspect you'd be pretty useful in most situations, Dusha, but I think, you know, know, some of us would be very, find it very difficult. Not very good Mm. without cath lab and some aspirin and I'd need all that. You need an ECG. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It'd just be using, otherwise it'd just be soothing words. I suppose so. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, speaking of soothing words, there was a tweet about the English accent, was there? Did you see that one? Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, Kenyon Murphy was an icon for moving back to Ireland when he realised that his kids were developing an English accent. Yeah. He's quite funny, actually, because there are quite a few interviews with him, like on TikTok, where there are people who have then kind of been like, oh, you're English, and he's been like... And it's almost like we stopped the interview and they come back to <laughs> I'm Irish. And I think it's... Look, we're kind of skirting around the topic of, I mean, the Queen dying. And, oh, OK, I mean, all right, we're fine. Going, we're going to time. Time if you want, yeah, okay, we can talk about it. It's too. everywhere, isn't it? It's everywhere. It's yeah, everywhere. all right. Yeah, fine, fine, fine. What was your kind of reaction to it? Oh, God. You know what? This is one of those situations I'm definitely cancelled. Completely yeah, indifferent. Right. I mean, look, she was 96 years old. She was old. I mean, you know, that's what happens. And so when, I was expecting, I, I know it sounds crazy, you know, maybe it sounds a bit weird to believe. I, I kind of got the feeling it was going to happen at some point. <laughs> I just felt like it was. I don't know yeah. what, there was something in me that felt, you know, at some point, I think this person's going to die. And look, I obviously, yes, yeah, so let's take, if we take the human things out of it, someone's dad, someone's mom, someone's et cetera, et cetera. But kind of coming back to almost bring it back towards Killian Murphy, even though he's got nothing to do with the situation. I'm not saying he's got anything to do with it. But, you know, the idea of being English and how much people care about being English is not universal amongst the world, right? But there are massive swathes of the world that don't really, are not particularly affected by this. And I always find it quite baffling when I see that a lot, there's another swathe of the population that get upset that other people are not upset about the same things or get the same sort of, get the same meaning from it. To me, as someone that I was, is always around, part of the background, in my humble opinion, is always on a, on a banknote. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure what else they really did in my personal opinion. I don't really know. I don't really look into what the royal family get up to. And it's, sad, it's always sad when someone passes away. Mm. There you go. That's what, I mean, that's how I feel. How about you? Yeah. I mean, it's everywhere, isn't it? And I think there's this whole, it's kind of a scary time. Like I'm seeing kind of certain accounts kind of going on to private. And I've seen a few tweets being along the lines of be careful what you say, because you kind of see the reaction of certain kind of media outlets or even just people on social media to anything that's kind of said against a certain narrative, which is of, mm. oh, you know, this woman who they're like, oh, she birthed all her children at home. And someone replied being like, yeah, the president of the Royal College of Obstetricians was there and another consultant Mm. and probably like Mm. 10 midwives. But this kind of weird, it kind of seems almost like propaganda driven. Like I think since, I think the Netflix show, The Crown has a lot to answer for, but Mm. this whole kind of romanticizing about it is just next level. And it's really weird and surreal to watch because there's mm. other stuff going on in the world as well. And you're like, does, does this matter less? Or if you try and talk about it, they're like, how dare you in this time? And mm. it seems like there are some people who just really want to like revel in it. And it just seems really weird. As you're saying, this is a, like a 96 year old lady. And so many people like 
there are so many others who there are so many people in the UK. For example, I guess there's going to be this humongous funeral, right? There's probably going to and there's going to be a bank holiday for it. And just think about how much money is being poured into it in a time when there's like an energy crisis and the people kind of who are going to who are worried about how they're going to heat their homes, how schools going to be heated over winter. People are worrying about re- like real problems. And it just kind of seems a little bit indulgent, I think, to be kind of really stringing this out. Is that, I don't mm. know. But then I kind of get the impression that I'm being really insensitive by not, I don't know. I mean, emotions run high in, in terms of this, because I think they've, I mean, let's face it, they've got a fan base, don't they? They've got a fan base in the same way that, you know, if someone famous, uh, a famous singer passed away, people get genuinely upset. But then on top of that, I think you've got not just a mixture of fan base, but you've got you know, people would fight for their country. They'd die for their country, wouldn't they, right? So you've got a combination of a bit of a fan base plus something that represents the country that you're from. And it just yeah. depends on how much you take that as, as part of your identity. Oh, you're you're so, so right, actually. Hmm. Yeah, you're so right. Because I think I've seen where people are kind of implying that if you're... Like, I've, uh, it's kind of nice to see that there are some interviews with kind of young white people who are saying, oh, I'm hmm. not actually that bigger follower of the monarchy. And I saw this one person who was like, you know, because of their colonial past... And the way she kind of covered up for Prince Andrew. And I was like, Bruno, I was like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you for speaking it. Thank you for speaking mm. it. Yeah. And can you imagine if you said that or I said that? Yeah. So exactly the same words. You know what would happen? Absolutely. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, you know, Go where are you really country. from? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, where are you yeah, really yeah. from? And that's the thing. I think in some ways, I don't think it necessarily has to make you unpatriotic for not kind of being completely in love with the Queen. I mean, the current prime minister, like when she was like a young MP or she was at that Lib Dem conference and she was saying, oh, no, I think the monarchy, you know, is kind of, pointless and i don't think it's un-british to kind of question to i don't think it is in fact i think kind of being introspective and being able to kind of look up oneself and laugh or being satirical is a very british thing so i just think it's funny how that whole idea of britishness seems to kind of be is being warped in a weird way. yeah yeah and they kind of almost push you to they're trying to push you to feel a certain way i don't know it's like, it, i mean i'm probably a bit more cynical in that like i just think it's another distraction tactic from the bigger picture just keep watching your tv keep watching this keep doing that just keep avoiding the bigger problems here while someone in the background is just literally dismantling the way society works the nhs is going you know social care is going out the window and you guys just keep flooding the news with flowers and stuff like that and then yeah. you know like there, there's some big things happening you know in the weeks that are just it's surprising not surprise i would i'm going to refrain to surprising because it's not surprising but you know that big flood that happened in pakistan i mean it barely gets anywhere on there does it like you, you mm. can flick through the news outlets and it might pop up but i mean that's a, a real humanitarian disaster that's happened and it just it's just another one of those things like yeah if they don't if they don't come from a certain place and look a certain way i suspect that it's always gonna fall in, in the background and in this particular situation, you've got a seemingly a very important person that's passed away at a very decent age, 96, May. That's going to engulf everything right now. And I think we're going to see this for weeks. And like you said, bank holidays and all this stuff, that's going to cost so much money and no one's going to even bat an eyelid. Yeah, forget about everything else. This is going to be what needs to be spent money on. Yeah, I mean, it, kind of moving on from that, I mean, I don't know. I mean, talking about TV and kind of, I guess related to that in some way is that lord of the rings series from from jeff bezos and co whatever company he runs has started have you watched any yet i haven't lord no. of the rings is some what's it called lord of the rings or ring of the lords what is it <laughs> it's some kind of spin-off there's quite a lot to catch up on that i've not quite got there yet because there's sandman that i really want to watch there's another season of kubra kai which i haven't started to watch yet okay and then there's obviously this and then there's the kind of game of thrones prequel thing as well right 
Oh wow, they're going to start trying to get more money out of Game of Thrones. That's what they. It's happening. It's happening now. I think. Oh wow. Okay. But I haven't got into that yet because Mm. I'm still watching This Is Us on Disney Plus, which is so good. Is that the one with Mandy Moore? It is. How did you know that? No, because I was. I think Robbie watches it, and then I saw Mandy Moore, and I said, "Oh, that's Mandy Moore." And Robbie goes, "Oh yeah, she's a mum." No, that yeah, she, mean she's a mum. She's like a teenage. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. It's so good. It's cool, like man. an emotional roller coaster. Emotions. I don't do that. It's too no. much. Yeah, yeah. Don't watch it's it. It's too then. much. I can't do that. Literally, I'm like on the verge of tears, like all the time. No, I can't do that, man. <laughs> I told you isn't it, the other day. I was just going to go to work, and my, my daughter came and hugged me and wouldn't let me go. <laughs> yeah. You're like, what is and this? Suddenly made me feel like, what is this feeling inside? I know why you cry, but it's exactly, it was something. It literally was like. What is this feeling that is happening? Just stop we like, it. We like the Terminator, like trying to smile. Like. <laughs> yeah, I really was. He's like, awkwardly looking at her. Is this what a dad does? Smile back and say it's going to be fine. I'll be All back right. soon. <laughs> I'm so right. clueless. I don't know what I'm doing being a dad. Why am I such a bad it. dad? Yeah, anyway. Yeah, so um, yeah, the reason I was kind of talking about it was because. Uh, a certain swathe of the internet lost their minds that Lenny Henry was an elf. Um, and, they were, and I thought, yeah, you know what? I'm offended too. He's a comedian. What's he doing on TV like this? Yeah. And it turned out that wasn't the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't the problem at all. You know what um, they say? They say that's like unrealistic. They say it's unrealistic. <laughs> they talk about elves. And there's lots of things that are like Balrogs and, you know, Sauron. He has like a giant eye that can see. <laughs> and there's like a spot. What was it? There's like a sword that kind of lights up when the orcs nearby. But the thing they can't square, the circle they can't square is a black person in their fantasy. Uh, what does it yeah. say about like the fragility of a person's like imagination that is kind of the illusions completely ruined by like the presence of a black person? It just, it, but you know what? Like in when I'm watching a TV show, I think it's a shame that I do notice when there are like a big cohort of black people and brown people. Like I do notice, yeah, but, you're but like, that says yeah. a lot about me and, you know, growing up watching TV for as much as I have to know that there is something different about a TV show when they've got, they've clearly, you know, they've done the right thing to have, you know, talented people doing that, you know, expressing the talents the way they do. Yeah. But uh, I think we had a tweet a long time ago, I don't even remember, and it really made me think of it straight away, is that, isn't it amazing that when you get someone, when you get some, what we'll say, white people, imagine something, never imagine black people, or brown, kind of people to be within that kind of scenario. Like, it yeah. just doesn't exist. So in their ideal world, when they imagine these things, they don't want people of colour to be around. They don't want people of different races and stuff. They want pure white people to be in their fantasies. And this like is another village. one of those things, isn't it? They're so triggered. They were so triggered by this, weren't they? And they, it just went around, isn't it? It was just people yeah. having art. And what are you, you're arguing about elves. Wait, you know what's going to, it's happening already with the trailer for the new Little Mermaid movie? Oh, I did not know there was a Little Mermaid movie. Oh my gosh. No, yeah. I didn't know this. Okay. Um, okay. Gosh, what's her name? Hallie, Hallie mm. Bailey. <laughs> and the, basically she's a black girl and okay. people are like, oh, but you know, Ariel's got like red hair and she's white. I'm like, I mean, that's if you're mermaid. Do... Yeah, exactly. And that's based off like a kind of, that's based off a kind of a folklore. Hans Christian thing. Anderson. I yeah, exactly. Whereby yeah. I don't think she was kind of like a Disney princess in it, you know, but people, I just, they, you know, they're like, oh, you like ruined it. Oh, it's going to go woke. And I just, uh, I want to understand really what the problem is. Like, you know, the happens... problem is. Like every time you see a black person or a brown person take a high role, a lot of people would just assume it's to fit the, you know, just, you know, fit the quota. But if you have someone that is a white person, they say, okay, well, that's just because of the best person for the job. Yeah, oh my God. And you see a Christmas advert, and I just don't see why it's so annoying to just see someone. Like, because 
for me, no, you know, you were talking about imaginations, right? Because mm. like when you when I read a novel, ordinarily when you see the name, I guess you probably put an ethnicity to it, and if it's kind of a kind of generic sounding name, you're going to assume it's a white person, right? Even though it might 100%. be a brown or black person. Mm. And yeah, yeah. we're supposed to be cool with that, right? We're supposed to be mm. cool with that, even if if you look at kind of programs in. Asia or whatever, a lot of like Hollywood and whatever make its way and what they're supposed to be cool with that as well. Is it like why does it have to be that the default is what like a white person? And if anything is deviates from that's suddenly something's wrong. Suddenly you're feeling a like it seems really strange. But if and the thing is, I think it really speaks to the whole really upsetting position that you're kind of put in because by call by just simply wanting to just have be represented in some way, you're somehow displacing like you're displacing the default. I find that really kind of disconcerting and kind of a bit upsetting. Isn't it weird that like you're? It is strange, present- but you know, if you, have you ever read Malcolm X's autobiography? Like no. it's really phenomenal. I would highly recommend it because I mean, obviously we know Malcolm X, but it, it is literally him going from absolute racist all the way to being non-racist because of some life experiences. But he does raise a few things in there, and they made me really think. You know, when I went to Bangladesh, you had to have posters of Dave Beckham. You know, and I've got nothing against David Beckham or any of those things, but I posted David Beckham. And so that that was the idea of beauty. If you saw that, he's advertising, you know, some perfumes and that was the idea of beauty. And then I started thinking to myself, that kind of when when Bangladeshis and, and people from my background and stuff, when we thought of someone good looking, we'd think of a fair skinned person with light mm-hmm. eyes. If someone was a Bangladeshi but they had light eyes, like blue eyes, or they were fair skinned or had light hair then they would automatically be a good looking person, quite a sought after set of characteristics, physical characteristics. And I think that has got a lot to do with just the, the where we've come from as a, you know, when we're going back to colonialism and all that kind of thing, that the idea of beauty is to be as close to being European as possible. Yeah. And you see this with the kind of surgeries that people have for their noses when they've got a bit of a bump on their nose, which may be a very normal thing for someone to have from the part of the world that they're from, but they get rid of it because it doesn't conform to the poster that they're seeing, the people that are, you know, on the TV and, you know, they want to look like the people that they think is the ideal of beauty. And he talks a lot about that and made me think about that a lot. And I think Hamad Ali talks about this as well. Like when he was a young boy, he used to go to the churches. Oh, yeah. And every time he saw, a, I told you this, right? Every time I saw a painting, there would be white babies going to heaven and, be, and he said to his mum, where do all the black babies go? It's a very good question, but it's subtle, isn't it? Like mm. he immediately as a kid was suddenly feeling like there's a difference. You know, white babies go to heaven. Flappy babies are not on the painting. That's the way it is. I think one of the problems with bringing this up as a topic is that because there are a lot of people who kind of consider themselves allies, right? And be like, oh, well, Mm. you know, we don't mind. We don't see that there's a problem here. So why, you know, why is it so important? Why is it so important to kind of bring this up? But there are lots of examples by which it causes harm. Like there, there is, I mean, just to kind of choose a light example, excuse the pun, but there's lots of kind of skin lightening creams and things that kind of people with darker skin will use to bleach their skin basically so that they kind of be closer to whiteness. And there's lots and lots of stigma attached with black hair. And, mm. you know, and there's lots of stuff about it being unprofessional. And there's a time whereby, you know, there are all kinds of really like unsafe products that, you know, black people would be using to kind of make their, you know, to straighten their hair. But going to the mo- perhaps the most important side of it. So if you kind of put aside all of those kind of really quite complex ways in which people then have to alter their behavior in order to fit into a white narrative, which is harmful in itself, but kind of suppressed in this really weird and unspoken about way, because all of its kind of implications, right? As you say, the mm. images that are everywhere, nobody, it's just accepted, isn't it? That there's certain mm. beauty standards. It's just, you know, 
And so anything else is kind of railing against an accepted standard. But we know there was a, there was a article in The Guardian that showed like mm. the kind of massive divide in terms of cancer survival, comparing black and Asian yeah. people who wait, wait much longer for a diagnosis of cancer than white people. You know, so there is, you know, there is a kind of, there are implications of this kind of covert, unspoken about discrimination, if you use that word. And the only way that we're kind of going to address the disparities that there are is by kind of trying to be open and talking about it. And so I think there's this other, this kind of thing that's often thrown back, which is this idea of trying to be positive, trying to be positive about, you know, things are better now, but there's still, you know, there's still a disparity yeah, it comes to this other tweet, isn't it? For some people, never getting a seat at the table or having a seat taken away for spurious reasons is being called cancelled. For yeah, others yeah. being asked to share the bench and consider other viewpoints is being cancelled. And no one's asking for, no one's really asking for preferential treatment, really. They're just right. saying, look, let's just be equal. Let's be, you know, if there's a problem with cancer diagnosis, I mean, we need to deal with that. That's not something, why should colour or where you're from have anything to do with that? It doesn't make any sense, does it? But yeah. clearly there's a problem, we need to deal with it. And yeah. what's going to happen if we suddenly start making making things get better and we get, you know, this is, you know, when you see that kind of, when you see these arguments from people saying that, you know, like this guy, Steve Price, he's written in the paper, I'm old, male and cancelled. And he's yeah. basically complaining that, you know, because he's old, white, male, cancelled, he's going to get cancelled. So is this kind of person going to look at the, let's say the cancer rates that we're talking about, <laughs> and then we do something about it and we start increasing the number of cancers that are being picked up earlier by in black people. Is this guy going to suddenly complain and say that, oh, but that's not fair? Isn't it ironic, though, that too this much... guy is saying this in his own column of a newspaper? Like, I'm cancelled. <laughs> I've still got, like, a voice book. What does that yeah, even mean? he's got the voice. Yeah, well, yeah. Like, not only do I, must I have a parapet from which to shout this rubbish but i also mm. i want you to all agree with me as well that's essentially mm. what he's complaining about he's complaining about being cancelled because some people disagreed with him that's how fragile his feelings are but that was a tweet from neil jenna kiramanin who's a, mm. i think a, a registrar uh, i think now a consultant in australia and she's written a book called the registrar which is a, oh wow okay yeah, yeah I, might, I might look into that later i do think i have seen other people you know very wise people on twitter talking about how when people talk about cancellation, that is something that's quite commonly used for people of colour. They're the ones who suffer the real kind of impl- kind of consequences because they don't have those national columns in a newspaper to which to say, I'm all male and cancelled, and then have people read it. They just kind of disappear mm. off. There was a, after the Queen died, there, there were some tweets in response to that, which were, you know, kind of talk about her involvement in colonising countries. And, you know, there, there was one tweet that talked about how she was kind of used as a cover for genocide like that you know harmful things that she was kind of associated and involved with and people Mm. were just like calling for her to be sacked and stuff and she disappeared off twitter really yeah yeah and then people like threatening her life and whatever and there's this whole kind of like back and forth about it and i'm like you know you know what if colonialism was colonialism was so good then what is going on with the countries that did they were that were colonized if you go back to a country that was colonized are they doing well from it are they have they got I mean, no. they're not doing. They're not doing great. No, I mean, like, so it, was it good? India was like one of what the celebrating? richest countries in the world, and you're right. That's a good point. Although I think the argument they were, they the people who kind of in favour of it or whatever who are making up these terrible arguments would be like, oh, that's because they couldn't run themselves and they were fine while oh. the Brits were there. That's mm-hmm. what they'd say. I, I feel yeah, like exactly. So nothing was working until they turned up, and then it yeah. just got worse because got left on their own. Is it? We gave them railways or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who benefited, you tell me. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, so in response to all of that stuff, some this mm. guy wrote 
Dear Black Twitter, if you can't oh, show no. a shred of human decency, you don't deserve <laughs> a shred of reparations. And I think there's a really interesting reply to that because there's a whole lot going on in that tweet, right? And this reply was, this quote tweet, I think the funniest thing about this tweet is the idea that if black people were nicer, we'd get reparations. It's like, wait a second, hmm. up until, as if it was in the pipeline up until this moment that that person tweeted. Yeah. The fact that we haven't blown <laughs> up the Royal Palace, the White House, or any other symbols of our oppressors, extremely nice of, it, of us. We are very nice to you people. But I think the thing is that you know, people come out with that, is all that they're kind of, <laughs> the racism in it is just uh, i mean they didn't put a slur in to be fair but yeah that's about it isn't might it? as well have exactly <laughs> i mean that's so incredibly yeah this is what i'm saying isn't it like someone like this will not understand that not everyone cares yeah. about this stuff not yeah, everyone cool. cares and that doesn't make them a bad person they just got different priorities or they've had different experience of the said individual like it just yeah i don't know i mean I guess... When I was younger, oh yes, do you remember I used to hang around with this Welsh guy back in the day, back in med school? Anyway, I remember like when we used to play rugby or something, he, I used to find it really weird that he didn't support England. Isn't that strange of oh. me? But I used to find it really weird. Like, why would he not support England? I mean, the same thing, isn't it? But then I never <laughs> supported <true>. Wales. <laughs> I never supported Wales. And so, I mean, it's only, you know, over the years I realised that, oh, okay, it is odd for me to expect that people support the things that I support or, th- you know, would want to think the same thing the same things i think when especially when it comes down to sports and the country that you're going to be to be to be rooting for which i don't really watch sports anymore but yeah you know what i mean right yeah. i think this is another one of the situations of the expectation is that you care about the things that i care about and if you don't well, that's you're it, a bad person i think that's probably yeah. why it's a difficult you know we were agonizing beforehand weren't we whether we were going to talk about it or mm. not mainly because kind of mm. know how kind of tied into identity this whole thing is and how you know, being seen to be yeah. a certain way about it might be seen or perceived in a particular way. And um... Dude, you know, when you messaged me the other day, you're like, I think, I don't think we should record because of what's happened. And it, I was thinking, well, oh, come on, mate. You ser- <laughs> Fine. Okay, bro. Yeah, I completely get it. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> you don't want to record because of what's happened. And yeah, and then you're like, no, I'm just joking. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fine. <laughs> but like, Fine, all that stuff enough. that's yeah. going on now, like, I think because... I think one of the reasons why it's such a difficult topic to talk about is because there is so much racism there. There is so much harm that's been done. And I feel like it's mm. difficult to talk about this person without kind of acknowledging all of that harm. And mm. even now, like in the aftermath and the, all these things where they're analyzing body language and whatever, when there's so many other big kind of issues going on or like all the kind of covert stuff is about, like, well, we just don't like, we just don't like Megan. Can't quite put my finger on it, but I just don't like her. Mm. And, you know, just all this stuff. Mm. Oh, sick of it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. There was an interesting thread. I mean, you know, I mean, we're talking about people complaining and stuff. There's a really interesting thread from Prof. Marie Bismarck. Did you see this one? It was a bit of a, I don't usually put long threads in, but this one was a good one. I thought it was a really good one. She tweeted this at 10.40pm on September the 9th, 2022. Things I've learned from studying patient complaints for 20 years, a thread. And you know, when someone's got those kind of credentials, Mm. I'm listening. And it was really interesting. I mean, did you manage to read this at all? I only saw the first one. Do you want to read out some of the... Because it isn't... Yeah, it was just talking about... So basically, she's talking about like the patterns that occur from when someone complains. And so, like for example, four main motive, motives influence a patient's decision to take immediate a medical legal action. And these include correction. They want to make a system change. They want to protest. They want restoration, as in they want compensation and corrective treatment. They want to communicate or an explanation or an apology. And they want some sort of sanction or discipline. And as you read through, you start to notice that you know a lot of it is to do with communication and being able to own up to 
basically if you made a mistake say you made a mistake say sorry and basically you should this is what people want and if you don't do those basic things you will probably end up having a complaint put your way and this is why i found it so interesting absolutely no i mean like the way she says the way a clinician handles an adverse event at the outset can influence a patient's decision about what action to take an apology Mm. may prevent the problem escalating and help restore trust to their relationship and that's the key isn't it like being able to Mm. apologize well which i think in medicine we do badly because we fear litigation but it kind of shows mm. that in some ways being candid up front can help kind of you know because what you want to do is sh- kind of try and reassure that lessons are being learned and they say as she goes on to say many hospitals exclude patients and families from care improvement processes and treat suggestions for improvement as a threat or distraction mm. from real work in your organization are complaints viewed as a burden or as a gift so- there's so many good things now look surgeons are more than two times likely to attract complaints as their physician peers as elevated risk arises partly from the involvement in surgical procedures fair enough but also reflects wider concerns about interpersonal skills professional ethics and substance use i mean it was just very you know it, it uh, yes you know whenever you get a complaint you can there's, there's things you can take from a complaint can't you like you said yeah. either you fight back and you can say look try and defend yourself ignore it it's, don't apologize but from this, like, there were real patterns of not because the subspecialty is particularly bad, but some subspecialties will attract more complaints than others. Yeah. But actually dealing with those things can actually result in fewer complaints and actually a better outcome in overall. You know? Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting that you even describe it that way as like fighting back, because if, if it is kind of, if you do end up viewing it or if it's framed as kind of adversarial, then, you know, that's a problem in itself. And so mm. if you kind of you know, there's a particular aspect that's not gone right or whatever, then if mm. it's kind of treated more collaboratively and honestly then i think you're much more likely to get a positive outcome but another interesting one it said older doctors aged 65 plus are at higher risk of complaints than younger doctors 36 <laughs> to 60 in particular older doctors are at higher risk of complaints regarding physical or cognitive impairment records or reports prescribing medicines and disruptive behavior there you mm. go. so for the kids you know kids aren't all that bad yeah exactly but you know it it kind of relates to something that i go through a fair bit in terms of obviously i do radiology but i do teleradiology and in teleradiology it doesn't matter who you are you do get audited and i think about 10 percent of your work gets audited but your name gets taken off and then the person auditing you doesn't know who you are and they can be pretty harsh i mean it could be spelling it could be the wrong use of capital letters and then i know that a lot of colleagues won't even do teleradiology because of the fact that there is someone auditing your work and they don't know who you are and they're worried that you know this could be bad for me if, if a mistake happens but i've been doing it for a while and i've made mistakes of course i make mistakes i'm not perfect but genuinely it's what you said complaints aren't i mean these kind of pro- when you get these things happen they're actually a good thing. It does alert you to things that you could be doing better. And also from a business point of view, like I was running a course and I put in the terms and conditions that I'd give a full refund to anyone that wasn't happy with it. And I forgot about it. And I think it's later on, someone messaged me saying, look, I want a full refund. And I said, like, where'd you get that full refund from? What are you talking about? And then they said, well, it's written in your terms and conditions. And literally it was one line. I don't, yeah. remember how, I don't even know how it got in there, but it was there. So I talked to my mates, like, this is so ridiculous. I'm going to make a bit of a loss here because someone there's someone has gone through the terms and conditions and found this, you know, thing that I don't remember putting in. I mean, maybe I did, but I don't remember. And he goes, those kind of things are good things. You need someone to find comb through your stuff so that you improve and do better next time. Yeah, so this is a good thing. When you get a complaint like that, good. Just deal with it, move on, and then don't make the same mistakes again. Yeah. I still offer refunds, by the way. So Yeah, because otherwise, you know, if someone's not happy with your work, then... It's not as though I need it. Just take yeah. your money and go. I think um, the thing fine. is, 
one of the other things that's mm. important to say is that you know i think it depends on how kind of it's hard isn't it making a mistake and it's hard not to take it very personally and so it's kind of easy to say oh you know you have to be open and honest and stuff but you know often these things don't come from a position of you wanting to cause harm and if harm has mm. been caused like it feels awful and so then having to kind of own up for something or kind of be like mea culpa and kind of for in a certain situation where you might have felt like things were out of your control i can see why it's very difficult for people to do so it's kind of easy to yeah. go on about being honest and stuff it's quite much more difficult to do but like they say risk of medic- medical ne- negligence claims is higher amongst doctors who work long hours have low mm. life satisfaction or have had a recent serious illness reading that last bit is you know hard mm. creating more supportive work environments and improving doctors health could improve patient safety imagine but yet again time again we're put in that situation i think look i think taking criticisms and dealing with complaints is a skill and you know i've met certain individuals who have had complaints but they don't learn anything from it or have had feedback from someone and they don't take it they just carry on thinking what they're doing is the right thing to do and that's when you realize that it's the same with any bad thing that happens right i think there was an analogy that someone told me that uh, if you wake up in the morning you go downstairs and your kid drops milk all over your clothes and you have a go at your kid you have a go at your partner you walk out you stub your toe you have a swear at that and you go crash the car right the other scenario is that you come down, the kid drops milk on you, you say, oh, well, you know, that's going to happen. Go up, says, get changed, chill out, have your breakfast, don't have a go at anyone, walk out and drive to wherever you need to get to. That, the event that could have resulted in a good day or a bad day is one event, the milk spilling on you. And it could have gone either way. And so your initial reaction to something bad that can happen can result in a multitude of things that can go wrong or go right for the rest of the day. So it's really important that you try and identify the best way to, I know it's easier said than done. And I think it takes a long time to get to, and I'm not saying I'm there, but uh, it's just something to understand that a good day or a bad day is very much in your control, depending on how you react it. Or these things are in your, so even a complaint is in your control, like the complaint is going to happen anyway, but what you do next is in your control and how you deal with it can actually result in more grief or less grief. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that's my sage advice for being old. Maybe <laughs> I don't know if that's worth it. <laughs> Fair enough. I guess on the topic um, yeah. of that, there was a tweet that mm. you put in about it was from Gordon H. Muir. Meyer. I said, I have recently retired from the NHS after 26 years as a consultant. The only formal communication since has been our IT department demanding the return of my laptop. The NHS never gave me a laptop. It's nice to feel missed. Do you think they went to the GMC? So look, mate, uh-huh. they promised me a laptop. And, uh... <laughs> oh, nice. Somebody had somebody yeah. to reply with that. Nice one. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, mate? I mean, what do you think? What would you like to happen when you retire? I mean, that's what that was a big question I thought to myself. What did you expect to happen when you retired? I'd like for people to throw me a massive barbecue where there's loads <laughs> of different types of chicken wings. And I'd like for a ward to be named after me. And, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I don't know. I'd like, in seriousness, when I retire, I'd like, it'd be cool if like people remembered me as being cool or, you know, people being liked, I guess. Isn't that what everyone wants? Don't people want to be remembered as being liked? Beyond that, I think, what right do I have to expect anything really? You know? Yeah, I mean, uh, the the way that tweet was written, yeah, but what do you want then? Uh, what, what do you want? Do you want them to write a long email to say, oh, you know, fantastic service? I know it sounds hard to take, but no one cares. They just get someone else to do your job. No one cares. Just go in, do your job, go home, do the best you can. There's nothing wrong with that. And when you retire, they're going to move on and so are you. 
that's the way it is. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know. I guess I'm very cynical. I mean, I do make a point of trying to keep a low profile these days. Well, not on social media, but definitely at work. And maybe that's part of the issue. Yeah, like, just be realistic, man. But yeah. what you expect. It's not me ticker tape parade and big thanks and stuff. If you're expecting that, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, fair enough. In my opinion. Yeah. So we, uh, I mean, yeah, we're coming up to time. So I wondered if mm. we should. Do you see Farbod has just tweeted to say that he's going to be a dad for the fourth time? Are you serious? Yeah, I mean, this guy, doesn't he have, like, a, doesn't he have like, a streaming channel or something? We should get him like Netflix subscription or something. Cause... What is it? Maybe that's a problem. Depends on what he's watching. This guy, four children. Jeez. Wow. Uh, yeah. You see that Homer I mean... Simpson? That one is, oh, yeah. Another mouth to feed you when the baby's kind of being. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I, I can't. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Let's say about that. The better. Good yeah, yeah, Congratulations. Well yeah. done, Flobbod. This the little bods still work. So <laughs> we're going to do a festival. Yeah, um, I feel like so we, I feel like we have opinions on this. So first of all, my parents shared an iPad when I was fourteen. My mom confronted me in front of dad about the open mm. tabs of porn on it. I lied and said it had been me. Guess who quietly got a hundred pounds from their dad that night? He did, I guess, mm. or she. Who knows? <laughs> but so, what is your? I mean, I feel like opinions on this. One, I don't know about sharing an iPad. For, I don't know. It just. I mean, there's some lessons to be learned in terms of Google Incognito or whatever. Mm. But two, I feel wow, like a hundred pounds. What's Google Incognito? What does that do? Well, are you playing yeah, that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> also, a hundred pounds seems a little bit cheap, don't you? Like how much? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you see it from both ends. So both I guess ends. if I was the if I was the kid in the situation, yeah, I'm not sure I would have tried to. I would not have admitted. I would yeah. not have admitted, even if yeah. it was me. I would not admit it. I was like, I don't know how that happens. Must be a problem. Must be a virus. Yeah, it's a virus. Yeah, I mean that's what it is. That's what, it's always a virus, everyone. It's always a virus. I don't know how this happened. I, it keeps happening. This virus keeps coming on my phone. Anyway, uh, coming on my phone. Then yeah, that's so from the kid's point of view, I probably wouldn't. Have, I would not have taken that. But yeah, if you're entrepreneurial enough to 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 do this, good on you. From the parents' point of view, I don't know. I mean, I, I, if that happened to me and I was dad, and I'd be like, hustler, man, right. I'll raise your right. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Let's negotiate here. Well, what's it worth? I mean, it depends on what kind of genres were in the tabs, wouldn't it, as to how much you. Yeah, and the implication. Yeah, yeah, that's true, isn't it? It does, it does, it does make you wonder because, yeah, it's like rancid stuff. On... Yeah, then. I mean, it would be worth more money then, wouldn't it? Exactly. Taking the blame for something that's like, Why would you take one-off payment? You'd want to do something a bit like George <laughs> Lucas did and maybe take commission or something like that. Oh, God, wouldn't that be amazing? It'd be like, oh, uh, dad's 50 quid's coming. So why is that your dad still giving you 50 quid 30 years later? <laughs> it's royalties yeah. for a, a life a, yeah. a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Like a particular time, it'd be like a Christmas song that still keeps you money if it's a particular time. We'd be like, oh, it's that time of year again. Yeah. Oh, mate, I would yeah. definitely play that as much as it's worth. And that's it, isn't it, Trisha? Oh, yeah. actually, I was going to talk about something wasn't i clamping why oh yeah why just do you hate it why well i was walking around okay so i went glamping the other day because i thought well you know people think it's a good idea i'll, go, I'll check out this glamping I'll, I'll do what the people do and i turn up and it was nice yes but then after a while i thought it feels like like a one-star hotel decided to try and sell their spaces for more by saying they were glamping i mean this is not particularly great facilities here but okay i'll go with this hmm. i sat down and looking around thinking, all right so i'm seeing here kids are loving it by the way they're hmm. running around oh. having a fantastic time 
And I'm looking around thinking, okay, what does one do on this glamping stuff? Uh, and I started trying to look at the next door and they've got some barbecue, look across and mm. someone else's barbecue. So barbecue, yeah, of course, yeah. that's what yeah, people right. do on glamping. That's yeah. what they do. So I got my barbecue stuff going. I was not, I'm, I'm not very, you know how you usually get a guy that takes the barbecue and they, they pretend to own it? Not yeah. me, mate. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be, why am I doing this? Like, why? And what? I was thinking, that's... is there no one that can come here and do the barbecue for me? Hey. Like, you over there, you, if I, I give have... you 50 pounds, can you do this barbecue for me? That's what I was like getting to the point of. Yeah, I was finding it difficult. Managed to do the barbecue. Okay, so we arrive two hours later, we've had the barbecue, we've eaten the food, and I'm sitting there. No, I think, like, now what? Like, what, what do people do? So I'm looking around, and they're all, everyone is having a, a wonderful time. And I was at a loss. I was uh. just sitting there. Okay, you just wait for it to go dark, I guess. And oh, it's a shame. Do you, not, do you not sing songs yeah. and uh, tell scary stories and stuff? Dude, why did you not tell me this before? <laughs> I, did, I mean, I didn't do any of that. <laughs> but, uh, At least I've been some idea. Yeah. Me and Joe <laughs> had like big plans, actually, for what we could do in the evenings, but then it was like getting dark, and you're like, oh, Cole would like roast marshmallows and drink or something, and we're like, oh, actually quite tired, just go to bed, and then just spend most of the nights just scared that there'd be spiders and stuff. It's funny you should mention about the barbecues because Fahad was like saying that your barbecues are a bit of a thing. Is that not true? Oh yeah. So back yes. in the day, you know, back when you're younger, yeah, you send out one text to your mates and say, "Dudes, I'm having a barbecue," or "Everyone's having a barbecue." Everyone would turn up. It just wouldn't stop. Like people would just turn up. So that's what I used to do, especially when I was in F1 because I was so busy. I used to uh, come back home, start the barbecue, drop a text, and next thing you know, like mates just walking in out in out of the place, chatting, mm. chilling. Oh. We used to chill till so late. You know, every mm. single day, like every single day was cool. But you can't do that kind of stuff now. I mean, it's, if I send a text right now saying, hey, bros, I'm having a barbecue. Well, it'd be like, like a tumbleweed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be tumbleweed. It'd be like, no one would tell oh. Like, oh, no, bro. I've got a bit more notice. You can't just be like throwing something out. Like, <laughs> You'd have to do it. Oh, yeah, I have to do it this time for nap time or something. Or yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, everything gets complicated. But yeah, I used to, yeah, I used to do barbecues almost every day when I used to work at a bar that chase farm. But yeah, and then, you know, just you get busy. Just get busy now, isn't it? Like when you've got time for this kind of stuff anymore, you barely get time yeah. to meet you. Yeah, let alone, let alone have a barbecue and have people come around. But yeah, yeah, I used to do that a lot. Cool. Cool. All right. right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. So uh, it's nice to be back. Until next week. Be nice to each other. Don't get cancelled. Any last yeah. words, Trusha? I mean, do you uh, want to talk about anything that's happened this week that you want to drop your chest? Watch This Is Us. Someone, please. I know. I'm mm. like, I think loads of people have been watching. Like, it's finished, I think, now. It's six seasons long. Oh, completely really... finished. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like... Like nearly, I think I've just finished the second season. So if there's anyone mm. else who's seen it before, can you just I don't know, give me a bumper? Because I, there are lots of feels, and I just tweet out about them into the void, and people are like, "What's he on about?" Because I think this series was on ages ago. It's really good. Okay, cool. So yeah. can someone give some companionship with? Uh, yeah, exactly. Awesome That'd be really cool. Watching. Yeah. Cool. All right then. Have a great one. All right. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs>